Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I am Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Gian. It's great to see you here on Zoom and uh, super excited for today's interview. You got to, to sit down with a, a legend there in California. Can you tell me a little about this one? Yeah, I got to uh, talk with Danelle Bishop. She's the Currently, she's the head coach at Cal Poly Pomona, and she's been there for 11 years. And we had a great talk, and we touched on a bunch of topics. Um, and I wanted to just tease out one of them, um, and it's some some type of meeting that she has with her with her athletes that allows them to talk about things that they are interested in. Nice, yeah, that's uh, I I've really feel that we need to to do a good job of that and. Uh, there was uh, also, I, I heard in this one, talking about um, what it takes to be a successful coach, or it's not just about you, but who else needs to be a part about it. Yeah, and um, we, we'll talk about that as well. And Chad, just want to give you a, a brief bio on her. She was a head coach at Azusa Pacific. Then she went to California Baptist. And now, like I said, she's, uh, she's been at Cal Poly Pomona Division Two in California. Uh, 11 years as a women's basketball coach over there. Coach, we're so excited for this interview and can't wait for you to hear it. Coach Danelle Bishop, thank you so much for coming to the Christian Coach Podcast. We like to start every conversation with the question, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? I think it's an, just a wonderful opportunity to be able to just really share God's word to people that don't know. And I think, you know, not, not that there aren't athletes that don't know Christ, but you know, what, from what I've seen now that I have kids growing up, you know, people get consumed with this and um, at an early age. And, um, and I've noticed I'm around, um, you know, different families that maybe don't know Christ. And I think that just being a, a, a coach at the college level gives me an opportunity for, you know, just in regards to just being around young women that are still trying to find themselves um, and find out who they are and let them know, you know, what the good Lord has done for me and, and you know, what opportunities they have if they ever want to, you know, come close to God and learn more about him and things like that. Um, so it's been, it's been a fun ride and, you know, I've been at the, in the Christian sector. I'll talk about that. I'm sure in a little bit and also the public sector. And, um, it's been interesting on both sides and how I'm able to share the word, but by all means, it's, um, it's, it's not easy, um, at all. It's never easy, yeah. but I will say it has been a pure joy and I'm still trying to learn and grow every day and including today and yeah. um, through things that we continue to go through in this day and age. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, as you mentioned, you've, you've worked in the public, uh, public schools as right now at Cal Poly Pomona, um, but you've also worked at different places. Can you give us a little bio on you, a little story, and maybe mention your testimony as well? Um, how did you end up now at Cal Poly Pomona? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, my dad coached high school basketball boys. And, uh, I, I honestly don't remember this. I remember going to a lot of his games. I remember going to practices when I was young. Um, but apparently I used to sit behind the bench and like would tap them during the game and be like, why did they do that? You know? Um, 
So I always like to share that because uh, I must have done that at a young age because I, I really don't remember that, but they said I did it all the time. But I'm guessing I loved it from that age. And, and you know, I went to a, a basketball camp when I was in fifth grade. It was the first time I'd ever played and I got most improved player at the camp. And um, I was in fifth grade. By the time I left my uh, freshman year, I got most valuable player. And I think my love of the game at that point, um, if you could see in such a short time, was able to improve. Obviously, my love of the game uh, had, had truly grown. And a lot of that was due to my, my father and uh, his coaching. He ended up coaching uh, on the girls' side and coached me through high school. And, you know, we watched a lot of film and age myself but it was a lot of VHS and, uh, and we didn't have all this synergy and things like that so we had to actually stop rewind you know do all this uh, the old school stuff and yeah. you know just watched a ton so my love for the game really grew so I, I, I kind of knew in my high school years I wanted to coach uh, so I started coaching um, with my when I was getting my master's degree at Tarleton State University to get my master's there and was coaching and loved, loved the college level and in between transferring from, I uh, went to University of Florida at high school and transferred from Florida, went to a junior college, Delta Junior College, and then back to Tarleton State, which is Division II, um, been at, at all different levels. So with that, I got my master's, I went back and was teaching, um, and then I coached at, at the junior college, Delta Junior College, and loved it. And then applied for a job at Azusa Pacific University in Southern California. I had a friend that um, was a good friend I went to high school with that was SID and he's like, hey, you should apply for this. He's 27, no head coaching experience and was like, why not? And applied for it and I cried on my interview. I um, don't share that a ton and I don't know why I just spit that out, but um, I did because um, it, it, it was the the faith that they have at Azusa Pacific is um, something I always cherish, and and, and it, it was quite unique how I felt that during my interview process to lead me to that. But long story short, they hired me. From there, I took a job at uh, California Baptist University. All both those were NAI at the time. Um, so here's where part of my testimony falls into my um, kind of my, I, I guess my whole walk with my career and everything is I got fired at CBU um, and honestly thought was devastated. I, I think at that time I was kind of um, it, as strong as I am in my faith. I think we all still have weaknesses. And, and I think I realized at that point I was, I was really taking my coaching and, and using that as like for who I was. And that really, wasn't what I meant to do, but I think that's what I was finding my worth through my coaching. And, um, and I was devastated, almost gave up coaching. Um, and my husband encouraged me um, the entire process and I kept applying for jobs. I applied for a division two job at Cal Poly Pomona. Um, and this was in July and um, they called me, I, I still remember right, it was around, right around the 4th of July weekend and said, hey, would you like to take this uh, interim position and I, I told the AD I'd call him back and um, I called my called my husband and he's like, you better take that job. <laughs> um, you know, we live in California and yeah. have a job. And um, long story short, I took the job and that year we um, won our conference, won our conference tournament, um, was, was able, went from a four seat to a one seat in the NSA tournament, was able to host the tournament. 
uh, won the regional tournament, which was the Sweet 16 game. And I always like to tell this story because, um, you know, I, I literally almost gave up coaching had it not been for my husband. And um, how that year went, I just put all my faith in it. I didn't know I was in it, that they were going to keep me, not keep me. Um, they didn't tell me till the week that we went, um, we we're about to go to the lead eight. So it all, it took, it, I always joke because <laughs> having to win a regional tournament for them to keep me. But, um, as we're cutting down those nets, you know, I look over and, and my husband who doesn't show a ton of emotion, I look over and he's got like just tears <laughs> of joy, not sobbing, but just, you know, yeah. these tears of joy coming down and, yeah. um, and just that story of redemption that, you know, we are almost gave up coaching and then, yeah. um, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's not just the winning. It was, it was how we did it and how we put our faith in God and that whole journey and uh, trusting God when you're almost about to lose your house. Um, you know, those, those first couple months I got fired, like, cause we were about to lose our house. We were, you know, all these stressful things like, you know, our marriage was never, never going to turn out into divorce, but man, we, we were, we were arguing and um, you know, things were, were tense. And I know a lot of people don't share that stuff, but Think it's important because i think everybody goes through those things and um you know we just came to what we know and we tried to center everything around uh christ at the time that's all we knew what to do um so that's part of my 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 testimony and i've been at cal poly now 10 years and um i think we've been pretty successful and seven won a national tournament we've been pretty darn close at a final yeah. four. um it's just been it's been a blessing it's a great place it's not a it's not a Christian school, but um, it's a place where I can still share my faith in my own way. Um, and people know where I'm at my faith. And, and I really like that. And I like that the coaches are able to feel like, you know, um, even if we're in the busyness of season, you know, I have a coach occasionally like, hey, I need to talk to you. Can you just pray for me right now? And, <laughs> and to me, that's an honor that, yep. trust me, they know that I'm genuinely going to pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um we had a coach here, Liberty Coach Tolzma. He was the track coach. He's been here for 30 years. He just retired. And in a talk with him, he said, you can never outwork the blessings of God, you know, mm -hmm. regardless Amen of how hard, yeah, how hard we work. Um, it always goes back to me ever since he said it. I keep that in the back of my mind that if it's yeah. meant to happen, it's meant to happen. And, you know, he, he's in control. It, it's true. Yeah. Um, let me go back to your first year at Cal Poly. Um, you took over a program that had already won in its history five national championships. Um, but the last few years, obviously, every time there's someone new coming into program means that the program was not as successful as it probably should have been. But you went 28 and five in your first year and made it to NCAAs. How were you able to turn around a program so fast in such a short amount of time? I'm all about, you know, you hear this word culture all the time and it's crazy because 10 years ago, I don't know, I don't really know what word I used. I didn't use culture, but you know, as a coach that team camaraderie, the familiness, getting your team to be a family. And I think most important getting them to buy in is, is um, probably the key thing. And uh, you know, I kind of, I don't always know this, but I kind of knew who my leaders were the first probably week. I, 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 it, we had, we had uh, her name at the time was Rayana Colson. Now it's Rayana Hill, but um, you know, I knew from day one, she, she was a quiet leader, but man, she was a leader. And I knew, I told my assistant, Kevin Adams, 
um, I knew we got to get her on board. And I knew as soon as we got her on board wholeheartedly, the rest of the team would go and uh, along with it. And, um, and that's what we did. We focused on getting her on board. We focused. I do a lot of team building. Um, you know, when, when I was at coaching at Delta Junior College, I was actually, um, I, I worked part-time um, as a teacher, but with homeschool students at a program where we, it was also a ropes course. Okay. So I knew a lot of team building skills. Um, plus I like to think of kind of fun. I like to play a lot of games and yeah. things like that, but did a lot of team building. Um, not that they already knew each other, but more so so they could see the side of myself um, and, and my other assistants. And, um, you know, we were people, we just, we wanted this to be a family. And uh, I really think that, uh, you know, Rayanna Colson ended up being a first team All-American, which, you know, there's only 10 in the United States. Yeah. So besides her being a stud and not downplaying that, um, because I know you can win with great players, um, but getting the whole team to buy in was huge. And uh, it was such a fun, fun season. And I think we won, I don't know, 14 to 16 straight games. And yeah. through it, this is my first time in the NCAA, right? I, my, my former assistant, Kevin and I, we joke a lot. We're like, we, we had no clue what we were kind of getting into at the time. And then all of a sudden you like, you look up and you're like, what, we're hosting the regional tournament. Like, that's a pretty big deal. Like we didn't even like really realize it at the time. And now that I've been in it for so long, I'm like, yeah. that's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my next question is about, um, the coaching philosophy that you try to instill right away. Um, do you have any core values that you've held the whole time or do you try to change the, the message year to year? Um, we, we always, you know, hear that somebody, every team needs to have a motto of some kind. Some coaches don't believe in that. What, what, what is your take on that? Well, when I, if, if you were to ask my players, does coach have a lot of rules? Some would tell you yes. Some would tell you no. <laughs> my main rule always do the right thing. I think we all know at the end of the day, what's right from wrong you know what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Um, so that's our main rule to go along with, you know, little things that we have. I'm actually wearing my shirt for our motto that we've had for, we didn't have it. I don't think we had it my first year. So we probably had about eight or nine years now, but um, all in is our motto. And our first day when you ask, you, you, you ask like, you know, does it change yearly? This is our motto, but I still ask each team and the players on our first team, what does it mean to you? Have them write it down because as the year progresses, they're all in yep. typically tends to change because sometimes we think we're all in today, but Hey, then you look at the end of the season. Oh man, now we're making an NCAA run. What's your all in look like then? Then you get those players that return. Now they're all in is different. Yep. Um, so we, we really focus on that and just being all in and, and like I said, it's, um, it, it is interesting to see how that changes throughout the course of the season. I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Your- yeah. Um, you, you've had a lot of success. Um, even at previous, at the previous schools, you, you, you've been to national championships. How, how do you define success? Has that changed from the first time you've experienced it to now? What is that? Well, I think we're all in coaching because of the competitiveness and we like to win. Right. And so I think I'd be a fool to sit here and yeah. oh, the wins don't matter. Obviously we want to win, but I can say truly, and I'll give you a story to back that up. The genuineness of my heart and why I'm in what I do is because, or I guess you should say my why is, is really 
for the relationships and helping these young women grow as people uh, beyond beyond their basketball athletic careers. And, um, and I say that because, you know, I feel like I'm a very relational coach and I feel like that's a big part of our culture and our success. And, um, you know, my players will tell you, I'm trying to get to know them as much as they'll, as much as they'll let me in without being too nosy and things like that. But, um, I, I think, oh my gosh, I just lost my, my, my thought process. That we were, <laughs> but success, success. Yeah. <laughs> so just building those relationships really helps the players learn to trust you. And I think when players trust you, they'll run through a brick wall for you. So, um, so with that, for me, when I see that they do trust me, that's a win. When I see that, hey, someone's struggling in a class and now they just got a, a B, that's a pretty big win for them. Um, you know, things like that. But going back to the wins and losses and what I see as success is um, there's, there's one year there, and I can't remember the year uh, it was. It was probably about four or five years ago, probably five now. Um, we started off 0 and 7. The worst start, um, the wor we were over 500 at the end of the year. It was one of my, it was still over 500. I think a lot of coaches would be happy about that. Um, so I don't want to downplay that, but yeah. we started off 0 and 7. It was the worst season to start I had ever had as a player when I played, ever had as a coach. Um, I was honestly like just trying to find like, you know, as coaches, we want to, okay, well, what do I need to do changes? What do I need to do to fix this? What are some things I can tweak and practice? What can I do here? How can I continue to help this player get over this mental edge, whatever it is. And so to make this long story short, my brother-in-law ended up passing away that Christmas. And um, even though I wasn't overly close with him, still my brother-in-law and my sister's husband. And, um, and they lived in Texas and uh, it was a pretty tough deal. And um, I found out on a Friday, we played a game before Christmas on a Saturday. And um, I think about that year and the success that it was and how we started off 0-7. This terrible thing happened in our family. And my players taught me so much that year, particularly after that incident. They were there for me. And, and I'm in a non-Christian school. Now, we do have Christian athletes on our team, absolutely. But we have, good, we have good people in our program. And that year, I felt like I, like, not to say this is a disservice, but I felt like they taught me so much more than I could have taught them that year. So when we talk about success, I look back at that year, we ended up winning, um, I think, six of our last 10 games, um, turning around. Um, but besides the point, like, I felt like that was just a successful year. Like, not only did I grow, man, I grew a ton, but to see how my players grew and um, we had to grow as people together through adversity of a season, right? Injuries, different things happen with players in and out. Then this happened to coach because I was out of it, like, I don't think I, I don't really ever cry at work and I, I was, I was having a rough time. So to see them just be there for me and, and, and help me and, and then to see their growth, I look at that as success um, as well. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. No, it does. Um, and piggy, uh, piggybacking on that. Um, I listened to a podcast that you did with Jason Romano and you talked about having a weekly tens meetings with your, uh -huh. with your players. I'm always interested in, 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 
practical tips that some of our other coaches listening in can, can adapt right away with their programs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. And I actually uh, stole it from a coach at Fresno Pacific. Um, great guy. Um, but yeah, I stole it from him and I, I always meet with my players, but to be quite honest, we were meeting more with our leadership committee um, on a regular basis than we were just with our players. And so I did this um, clinic last year and, and he happened to be at it and I stayed till the end and he was awesome. And he came on and he talked about these weekly tens. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to try that this year. And, and to be honest, like, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a, a, a track coach because that'd be a lot of weekly tens for a <laughs> team. Um, but I did these and I made a point and I was an intentional about putting them on our schedule and um, the feedback from the players. And I heard it more from my assistants, this feedback from my assistants, how much my players really liked it. And some of them would be 30 minutes. Yeah. And uh, the majority were around 15, 10, 15 minutes, but it was just so powerful. And um, just getting to know them outside of basketball. And to be honest, 90% of the time was all non-basketball talk. Um, and then the other 10% of the time was maybe me just trying to really encourage them and empower them and help them believe in themselves and coaching women. As you know, I think, I think that's part of the biggest struggle, you know, men can go and, the basketball side, I'll go watch a guy, our men's team miss 10 shots. And I, he still thinks he's the best shooter in the world. <laughs> a female misses 10 shots. She's in most, not all. She's probably gonna be in her head a little bit. And so, um, you know, I think that as coaches coaching women, we really do have to empower them and help them believe them in themselves. And, and I think when we do that, we see a lot of extraordinary things come out of them at the end of that. Yeah. Do, do you schedule these meetings or they schedule themselves? They schedule the time with me. Okay. And um and, and, and I'm then, with yeah. them if they something came up, hey coach, I need to say, can I reschedule it? And and I'll, all right, hey, let's do it at the end of practice today. And then we'll chat for yeah. 10 minutes after practice. Okay. Well, that's great. Um I started doing a little bit of um walking meetings. Instead of having the structure of the office, I just go from the training room all the way to the tennis courts and I just walk with them. Uh, I feel like it makes them a, a little bit more free and not so tense, you know? Absolutely. Uh, one of our uh, associate ADs does that with some of her people. But but I do actually, because I share an office um, okay. with both my assistants. It's a small office, so we're very <laughs> close. <laughs> but um, so most of our meetings, I love that you said that, because um, I haven't actually walked, but most of our meetings are all outside or somewhere outside the office. And you're right, it totally does change. Yeah. Um, when you when a player comes into the office they think they're in trouble you know <laughs> yes yes um my my last question is about the balance between work and family i know you have two kids you're married you got two kids um how has that been first during covid um and just overall how, how do you manage that I don't know if I'd ever say we got it nailed down because we don't, you know, we live out in Southern California and we have no family out here. Our family are our church friends. Um, and just, you know, our, our neighbors as well um, have become good friends and help, you know, because it takes a village, it takes a village with a family. So I have a, a daughter, Marissa, who's 11, um, going on about 16, 17, and then I have a son named, uh, he's Walter the fourth, who's eight. And, um, they're both involved in, in different sports and it's crazy. Um, 
But I will say my husband is my number one fan. He's our family's just, um, just top dog. If you would say, (laughs) you know, he's, he's the man and, and, I probably don't tell him this. I don't know if he's going to listen to this, but don't tell him to his face enough, but he really does it all. He cooks, cleans, take, runs the kids everywhere that they need to be uh, when I'm in season. Um, does laundry. I mean, this guy, I mean, fixes things, whatever, whatever you need. So he's, he's a, he's a pretty good dude. And, and I will say that, um, you know, I think if you're in coaching, you've got to have a spouse that is a team player um, that supports you. And I will say that my husband, Walter is that, uh, for me. And I think that's why we've been successful as a family. Um, so I still remember last year we played, um, we had a game, um, it was probably about 45, 40 minutes from our house, but my daughter had, um, her travel ball team, which she was helping coach and he was helping coach my son's, um, youth league basketball. So he, he drove her, all the way to Long Beach, helped coach her game, came back. He missed, he missed, I think he missed our, no, he came back, made it late to my son's game. They coached that game then drove all the way to my game that night, came back. Like he was, he was done, yeah. um, you know, but that's just what you have to do sometimes. But, yeah. um, and then since COVID, um, you know, you're going to have to send me, what was the quote the coach told you about the blessings? Cannot outwork the blessings of God cannot work blessings of God. And I think through COVID, um, you know, it's, it's a struggle and a daily struggle with what's going on. It's a lot of Zooms. Same with my, my, my own kids. They're not back in school yet. They're dealing with it in a different way. You know, you didn't have to go through COVID when you were 11 and eight, yeah. right? I didn't. No, yeah. Uh, so thank God for our um, neighborhood. We're pretty much at our house most of the time, but um, we do have about six other neighbor kids so that's kind of their um, godsend, to be honest. They go out every day around four o'clock and they've got a good hour and a half that they get to play outside together. Um, but going back to that blessing is, you know, I kept thinking, you know, those first three weeks were like, okay, you know, we're doing puzzles. <laughs> this is fun, you know. Now you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this is crazy. Uh, and the blessing out of it all, and I'm sure you've witnessed this too, is the family time. This is yeah. the most time we've been able to spend together as a family i'm working from home my husband's working from home the kids are at home um we stay up we watch we watch movies we go for bike rides um you know we cook we eat not only eat dinners together like you know which is tough when you're in season right yeah now we're eating lunches together you know (laughs) um uh so there's been so much blessing and i think we have to look at it like that you know it's there's this quote i hope i say it the right way is um change the way you look at the things and the way you look at things will change. And if we look at this pandemic, you can look at it as it's terrible. And, and granted, there have been some terrible things that have obviously come out of it. I don't want to downplay any of that, but through it all, like if we look at the family time, particularly as coaches that, you know, we, we sacrifice, um, you know, and our players know that we're away from our families a lot during yeah. the season. So I think if you look at that blessing right now, we're able to spend this quality time with our family and some days are rough. Like it's hard to get my eight year old son. He just wants to play to do the schoolwork, you know, but um, you know, it's just teaching us patience and grow. It's growing all of us. And we'll look back now, hopefully, and whenever this is over and look back and 
And I think we're going to look back and go cherish it. Like, man, I wish I could go back to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we'll say that, but go back yeah. to being able to spend that Correct. quality yeah. time together. Um, so it, it's been a blessing. And I've been trying to look at it like that, you know, more so with us not being able to have a season. Yeah. I was like, hey, um, you know, we're going to go probably go see some family for Thanksgiving, which now the numbers are rising. I'm not sure. But when's the last time we spent Thanksgiving with family? We haven't. Yeah. My kids have never spent Thanksgiving with family unless um, I think one year we had my, my parents out, you know, so, um, so those things are all blessings. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much, Danelle. Um, we like to end asking you, how can we be praying for you? I, you know, I appreciate that. I, I think just, just prayer for my, my, my team, really. I, I feel terrible for them with the news we heard and, um, you know, they're just trying to stay motivated. Maybe prayer to give me strength to keep motivating them. I'm trying to just motivate them to keeping good people, be good students. Um, and, and I know it's tough and everybody deals with it differently. So I'm just trying to really be there for them the best I can. Yeah. Thank you let, for yeah. Let me pray for you and then uh, we'll finish up. Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for Danelle and her leadership at Cal Poly Pomona. Lord, thank you that you love us, that regardless of what season of life we are in, um, you're in control of it, Lord. Pray especially for, for the team, the Broncos. Um, pray that you keep each girl in, engaged in their task at hand, that they won't lose focus of the goal, um, regardless if seasons happen or don't happen, Lord, that they'll continue to strive to get better on a daily basis at school, basketball as a as women and in life lord uh, thank you so much for danelle taking the time to speak with us and um, help her to also manage her family well as uh the the holidays coming up in your name i pray amen amen awesome interview gian danelle was was so good uh so many nuggets there and uh what i really liked was her team um team mission of just all in and uh, that's the same thing that I'm talking to my team about right now is, and it starts with me. I have to be all in and, and engaged and excited every day that I see them. And I know uh, that that'll leak, leak through and, and just get all of them all in. And in this crazy time with coronavirus, it's, it's hard. They're kind of thinking maybe grass is green on the other side and uh, what's the other schools getting done here or there. But um, I know if we can be all in as a team, it's just going to work so much better. But uh, what about for you, Gene? Yeah, I want to uh, talk about the all in as well, because we've talked to our players just now about it as well. And for us, it meant being present in the moment, not looking past, um, not looking to the past, not looking to the future, but just being all in in that present moment at every, every, every time you have an opportunity to and enjoying where you are in life. Um, the other part I liked as well was how she opened up after getting fired, um, the, the stress that um, it put on her family. And I know, you know, the coaching job is a tough job. We're always moving and changing places and our family suffers through that as well. So it was it was really nice to hear her be vulnerable and open up about that and the effects that it had in her family. Yeah. And, and also just the, the 10 minutes of meeting with their players each each week. Is that it? Yeah. It was. Um, the, she calls it the weekly tens, Chad. Yeah, that was uh, that's so good. Really encouraging, and you know we need those touch points with our players. Um, for me, sometimes I feel it goes two or three weeks without really 
connecting deeply with the player and I think that's just so so sad so um, I'm gonna implement this right away yeah uh, coach this is the end of this episode and remember the mission field is right where you're at <laughs>